Hi, I'm Ali Maldro, the host of A Public Affair on Tuesdays. You can listen to this show any day of the week, any hour of the day on the WORT smartphone app or on wortfm.org. If you love what you hear, click that donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio Good afternoon, Madison. You're listening to WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Maldro. This is a public affair. And today we have Liz Winstead with us to talk about abortion. Just over a year ago, the Supreme Court overruled Roe v. Wade. The decision left us with zero federal abortion rights. Here in Wisconsin, our access to abortion is governed by a law from 1849. That law bans abortion unless the life of the mother is at risk. The law has been challenged and its fate will likely be decided by the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. Over the last year, we've talked about abortion a lot on this show. One of my favorite guests we've had is comedian and abortion advocate Liz Winstead. She is able to find humor in what feels like a dark place. Welcome back to A Public Affair, Liz. How are you doing today? Oh, Ali, so good to be with you. And, you know, it's, um, I don't know the last time we spoke, but since then, I have also um, bought a house in Minnesota, so I'm splitting my time. So I'm seeing a lot of the Wisconsin patients as well coming across uh, the border to our fair state. Yeah, our our folks are, are fleeing to your state where abortion is legal and marijuana is legal and <laughs> it's it's you and know. it's a haven for trans folks and we uh, actually are expanding our union like yeah Liz, i did i just i did not bring you on here to try to get the women of wisconsin to move to minnesota we gotta we gotta <laughs> fight for our rights right here in wisconsin you know what? fair and fair but while you're fighting we're here and I, I so appreciate that. Is it is it has it been strange for you to see women from around the country coming to Minnesota to access reproductive freedom, to access necessary health care, to terminate pregnancies that um, are detrimental to their bodies and their health um, and and, you know, to, to seek support out of desperation miles and miles away from their homes? You know, the I think the stunning thing was. You know, I've been I've been in this reproductive game full time for almost ten years. You know, sort of combining all the comedy and exposing hypocrisy, and then like really working with the organizations who are helping transport folks who are in need. And I've watched the um, the hardships people face, right? Because you know, even looking at a place like Wisconsin before this draconian um, you know ban from the 19th century was the law of the land. You know, for years, there was only two clinics, uh, you know, and they were in Madison and Milwaukee. So folks of Wisconsin have not had a lot of options for a long, I mean, from, I mean, Milwaukee and Madison. Folks in Wisconsin haven't had a long time, for a long time, haven't had access to care. And so what we noticed profoundly was before Dobbs fell, but when Texas uh, implemented that horrifying um, bounty hunting law, yeah, and and put the state down to six weeks. Thirty um, percent of the patients in Minnesota were from Texas. Jesus. And part of that was because someone's reproductive journey from Texas, they would they went north to Oklahoma. Um, that date dropped. You had a seventy-two hour waiting period, and that date dropped pretty quickly. And then you start going through Kansas and up. And trying to navigate where people were going, there was four to six week waiting period, um, and folks needed to get to some place where they could get the care, right? And so Illinois, Minnesota, California, um, we're reading now, and this is just really unbelievably jarring, is that, um, you know, since Dobbs fell, the entire swath of the American South has either no care or a six-week ban, Florida Supreme Court's about to decide whether or not it's legal for them to go to a six-week ban. But Florida has seen the biggest influx of patients um, of any place in the country because of that sort of desert that's been created in the South. And so with Wisconsin, 
um, you know, sitting on this precipice, we were all very excited about the election um, and the Supreme Court switch up. But then, you know, as we watched one of your, um, you know, state government seats flip, like, I don't even know where y'all are at at this point. I know you're trying to, like, that some of the Republicans in your state are seeing, like, you know what? Nobody wants this draconian law. So when I'm reading that they think that they're making progress or making concessions or something by saying you'll get a tax credit for your fetus Jesus. and acting like that's some kind of world anybody wants to live in. Like, I don't even know anymore what what negotiation looks like. Right. Or what 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 we what, what's the baseline for humanity? I mean, I think it's really complicated because I think, you know, a lot of the people who are in charge in our legislature um, have never had an abortion, have never been pregnant, have never given birth, um, have no idea what they're talking about. Um, And so, sure, if you have no idea what you're talking about, maybe a tax credit uh, during pregnancy seems you know, appealing um, as somebody who's had three kids. I'm like, you are crazy. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. I think there is, you know, it's been a year since um, people could legally have access to abortion in Wisconsin. Um, and it's interesting to hear that people, you know, where people are fleeing to get abortions. But one of the big arguments the right has made is that if people have an abortion, they should have it relatively early in pregnancy. Um I would imagine that forcing people to travel thousands of miles out of state to get an abortion delays um, when in pregnancy a person can get an abortion. Are we seeing more people have later abortions because they don't have convenient, easy access to me- to health care? I mean, we definitely are. But I just want to go back to the framing of that narrative just in general. Right. Yes. Because tell us about it. So. When we're talking about people should have abortions early in their pregnancies, um, I like to put a challenging notion of but by what parameter or standard are you saying that that makes an abortion earlier in pregnancy? Um, a, just let's, let's take it from some kind of like moral stance. Why, why is the difference, what is the difference in development of, a, a six-week pregnancy and a 12-week pregnancy um, are is one of them have can walk outside of the womb live like what is your logic for that right and I don't know what the logic is because there is no medical evidence that says somehow it becomes murder when dot 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 right because that's what we're talking about if you want say the rhetoric out loud so early abortions are easier to do at home those things are real um, but, and, and when people often in the right will say, it's a model that they have in Europe and all these places, you can get an abortion over the counter in Europe. You have, every doctor can give you abortion pills. Every doctor is trained to perform an abortion in clinic for you to go home. So there are no barriers for the person who would like an abortion up to 12 weeks in Europe. You can walk in, get one leave everything's fine that is not the case here second thing i would say is um if you are forcing someone to have an abortion at six week pregnancy you don't even know your it's really a two-week window you have you can find out you're pregnant with relative certainty with a pregnancy test at at four to five weeks which then gives you a week to scramble around so what you are actually doing is forcing someone into the choice to have an early abortion and not giving them any emotional space to even assess their capacities for this pregnancy. Mm. Somebody might need that time to decide, you want to know what? It looks like this is happening. My finances are in order. I think I'm cool on this. You know what? I think that I do have the wherewithal to be able to um, have another kid. But by forcing an early abortion like that, you're taking somebody's actual choice away to do that. And then we go to where you asked, right? Are people now forced to have pregnancy or abortions later in their pregnancies? Absolutely, yes, because trying to find some place where you can get care, 
trying to find and scramble for the finances you might need to do so, childcare, taking off work, um, all of these barriers that are pushing it, and then the, and then the cost goes up, right? And then you also take the, um, as we have seen now, where developmentally in a pregnancy, there are certain things that don't happen early in pregnancy that might not happen until later in pregnancy. And so we've seen, there's a class action suit out of Texas now Mm -hmm. where we've seen people who have been left to die, been told to come back when they're bleeding out, been told that their ectopic pregnancy needs to burst because the doctor is unclear whether or not they'll go to jail, lose their license, be, be, have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in a fine to treat someone. Hmm. So we're in a myriad of places that um, where these moral justifications are just barfed out as though they're reasonable. And it's not reasonable to tell anyone ever at what point in a pregnancy they should be allowed to discontinue that pregnancy. That is an unreasonable ask. I so deeply appreciate that. And I think that one of the conversations that gets missed in conversations around abortion, because the emphasis has always been about choice. And I think that that's what the emphasis should be, that you should have the right to determine whether or not a pregnancy is sustainable for you and what that means for you. But the conversation we have often, um, we leave out of this conversation is medically necessary abortion. And one of the things I think folks don't realize about folks who have abortions in the third trimester is that that's the group of people who is most likely to have a medically uh, a, a medically necessary abortion or abortion related to a variety of miscarriage. Um, so abortion as support around miscarrying, particularly later in pregnancy when miscarriage is not a subtle, easy um, experience in any way, shape, or form. Liz, I just want to remind folks that you are listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM. If you want to join this conversation, please call us at 608-256-2001. Press 9. We'll patch you through. It's been a year since folks can legally get an abortion in Wisconsin. We want to know what you think about that. Also, the Isthmus headline yesterday was Planned Parenthood will start offering abortion services again in Wisconsin if ruling allows. A Dane County judge is expected to decide soon on a lawsuit challenging the state's 1849 ban. Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin is planning to restart abortion services if permitted by the ruling. Liz, are you seeing things like that happen across the United States in your work as, you know, as as a person who advocates for abortion? Are you seeing folks fight to to get, you know, to get abortion bans overturned? Are you seeing folks win? What is this? What is the landscape across our great nation? You know, I am seeing people doing the most. And then I'm watching the trickery. So here's, here's what I'll lay out. It's very exciting to see, um, you know, Kansas and Florida and Ohio and, um, and New Hampshire, like a ton of states are now trying to circumvent their trash um, legislator, legislatures who are often gerrymandered and, and it's like a mess, right? So they're, they're circumventing by saying, we want to get ballot initiatives and we want to put it to the people. Mm-hmm. And that is super exciting. And when we, and we have seen in Kansas and in, you know, obvious states like Vermont and California, but Kentucky, you know, that they have caught, they have said, we want abortion in our state, right? Over, not just a little, but overwhelmingly when put to the ballot. Now, here's where the trickery comes in. That's going to drive everyone wild. So Ohio, watching all these states pass it, right? And Ohio is one of the worst states that you never really understood they were. <laughs> they have a ballot initiative coming up in um, 2023 in September. Their legislature pushed through a law um, that said um, you have to get a 60% threshold on a ballot initiative for it to pass. 
And that goes into effect in August. Mm. So it's no longer the majority or the will of the people. It's now a super majority. Florida has that same bill. Um, they tried to get 67% Jesus. in Florida. And even the conservatives of Florida were like, yeah, no. Um, so that trickery is happening right now in Missouri. They have a like, terrible attorney general who the people have are trying to get the ballot. The language on the ballot initiative needs to be certified. It gets looked at by the, um, by the state, and then they send it to the attorney general. After the state has said, yep, this language is appropriate, this can be become a, a petition, and then the attorney general signs off on it, and then, the, and then the people start getting the signatures to get it on the ballot. Well, the attorney general in Missouri has been, for no reason that is legal, just putting off um, certifying the petition. The clock is ticking down, right? They have to get so many um, signatures by a certain amount of time to get it on the ballot. Um, and a judge was like, yeah, we're not going to force him to sign it. So now that's going to the Missouri Supreme Court. So there's all, you know, with, with every step of the way, when citizens are trying to be proactive, literally say, if politicians are not going to represent us, we're going to go through the other means that, that where we can put it on the ballot, they're, they're circumventing those ways too. And so it's like we have to be ever vigilant in all of this stuff that we're doing. And, you know, you know better than anyone. Wisconsin is, you know, in the study of how things go down, folks need to do look at Wisconsin because it has been one of the most gerrymandered, one of the most, you know, rigged states in our nation. You and North Carolina are like, you know, having a battle to the death. <laughs> like, I know, I'm, but I'm here's too. the thing is I think what happened... <laughs> What happened in North Carolina, and I'm so glad you compared North Carolina to Wisconsin, because North Carolina was actually a holdout state in terms of the southern states. Yeah. They they kept abortion, yep. and now they've lost it because of their Supreme Court. And I think Wisconsin, in some ways, because our Supreme Court was already conservative-leaning, um, paid really a close, really close attention to that race. Um, you really saw an incredible level of young turnout um, for the this most recent spring election. Which is pretty, you know, it's pretty exciting here here in Wisconsin. And I think that, you know, abortion is not just um, it's not just illegal in Wisconsin. It's criminalized. Right. And we have not seen we have not seen people um, penalized for abortion or miscarriage at this point. Are you seeing people end up, you know, getting arrested, going to prison or people getting in trouble for for accessing abortion? Well, see, this is where we're at now, right? So it's, um, we have a bunch of different um, camps where we are looking at how um, the motivation of these legislators, it's all rooted in misogyny and patriarchy, but how that plays out is different. So, for example, you in Wisconsin, the head of one of the most virulently anti-abortion extremist organizations called Operation Save America is based outside of Milwaukee and their leadership is based outside of Milwaukee and their organization believes that um, if you have an abortion, if you perform an abortion, that you should serve to the fullest extent of the law. So if your state has the death penalty, you should get the death penalty for having an abortion, right? Um, well, that seems a little counterintuitive to be pro-life and pro the death penalty. You know what you are? A thinker. You are a thinker, my friend. You are putting two and two together all over the place. So they have gotten candidates elected. Um, you know, they have uh, friends in the Wisconsin legislature. Um, we counter-protested them in Madison um, right before the pandemic as they came to, you know, really push their agenda, brought them, brought, brought the people from the country. So, yeah, we what we are seeing is, yes, people have been criminalized. We have seen people go into emergency rooms in um, states where they are miscarrying um, or maybe they are um, having complications from medication abortion uh, and telling their health care provider and having their health care provider report them to the authorities. We're seeing that. We've also seen um, in the case of 
the 11-year-old in Ohio who was raped and impregnated and her parents had to take her to Indiana to have an abortion. Mm. That physician was brought up on charges. Jesus. Had her license suspended. So, and then all of these laws where there's like life of, I'm putting air quotes all over the place, life of the mother exceptions. Um, it's so vaguely worded that physicians are not understanding how and when they can intervene. And so the chilling effect of the lack of clarity is horrifying. And anybody who thinks that somehow it's compromised to simply add that into a, a, a an abortion law and have no, no other person have means, I would argue and challenge when people say medically necessary abortion, because I believe all abortions are necessary. If you need one and you've decided that abortion is something that when you assess your life, how you raise a child, the environment with which you live in, um, all of those factors make it necessary for you. If you, if you decide, then it's necessary, right? And so, and that's I so appreciate at- you saying that. And I do, I think, you know, I think one of the reasons we're talking about medically necessary is because people are not in touch with the phys- physiological consequences of pregnancy and birth. And so when when somebody is forced to maintain a pregnancy that isn't sustainable and they do so to the point of having a massive infection and losing their uterus, um, right. I, you know, I, I'm like... Even the people who are pro-life, I don't think that's what you intended. If it is, give us a call, 608-256-2001, if you're like, yo, God's plan was for this person to suffer a horrific pregnancy, to lose that pregnancy and their uterus, and there's no reason why medical technology should be utilized to prevent such a thing. Um, let us know about well, Alan, it. yes. Those people that I was telling you about, and you can go to their website, OperationSaveAmerica.com, go in and read about what they believe. They believe that it is all part of God's plan and medical intervention and that there's miracles. And, and if your baby and you were supposed to live, then you will. <laughs> but that you should never try to terminate a fetus to save the life of a person who is pregnant. And so when we're in those situations, knowing that there's people that are literally fighting for that it feels really scary and now you know we're looking at like whole cloth OBGYN departments of hospitals and states just shutting down yeah we're looking at um med schools in states where they have these draconian abortion bans um the it's plummeting enrollment or people wanting to go there doctors are fleeing So it's the folks who are in these states aren't getting the care they need and aren't having expertise. And now, now folks are going to have to travel. And as we have, as we, as we speak now for your listeners who uh, may or may not know, um, when the Supreme court said, Oh, the state, let's just send it back to the states to decide. That was never the intention. The intention was to end abortion. Yes. And the first thing that happened out of the federal government was a lawsuit was filed by anti-abortion doctors and a dentist, for some reason, who felt he would be aggrieved, um, uh, to ban medication abortion to be sent through the mail mm-hmm. because of another law from 1878 that some sexual Puritan um, lobbied for to say you can't send pornography sexually explicit or anything that would um, adversely uh, challenge the morality of our nation or abortifacients through the mail um, called the Comstock Act. So they're arguing that because the Comstock Act is on the books, we can't send abortion pills through the mail, which if, if, you know, if that that's going to the Supreme court, regardless of how this lower court rules, but, um, if that if the court says, oh, you know what, abortion pills should be restricted and can't be sent, or you or you have to wait to take your pill or whatever, um, that's going to destroy abortion access for these states 
that already have it decimated. Mm. So, you know, we are, Liz, there's always these shenanigans and all this tricky stuff happening. Liz, I think it's so important to raise awareness around how multifaceted and how widespread the attack on abortion is and the attack on reproductive rights is. If you're just joining us, you're listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. My name's Ali Maldro, and today our guest is Liz Winstead. We are trying to find some humor in the face of abortion bans. Liz is a comedian, co-creator of The Daily Show, founder of Abortion Access Front, and she is the host of the talk show called Feminist Buzzkill. We have a caller on the line. If you want to be a caller and join us today, the number is 608-256-2001. We will patch you through. Huge shout out to our team for making today possible here at WORT. Um, Terry, you're on the line. You have a question about the 1849 law. Yes. Um, I read something at some point that said that that 1849 law, the original one, said that abortion was illegal after quickening, which, of course, is not a word you. we use anymore. But um, it, it essentially allowed first trimester abortion. And I'm wondering if that's true. Is that true? And if so, why isn't that first trimester um, things still being applied today if we're if we're talking about oh let's let's use the original law i I really appreciate that question I'm not sure if me or Liz are going to be able to answer it but my my I actually I actually can Liz I'm so glad that you know the answer to that I'm like what is quickening Liz so quickening is basically in the first three months of a pregnancy so they 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 call sort of that the quickening i just want to be clear um when we speak in a trimester model of <clears throat> abortion um the word the word trimester was literally created as a political tool during roe v wade mm-hmm. um so that um nobody talked about abortion really in those terms and so it was Harry Blackman's concession was let's divide it up into trimesters and talk about you can have abortion up to the first trimester, the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. And then it was divided up into this, it, or maybe it wasn't a trimester program, uh, but the weeks program, right? And so how many weeks along are you? It's, um, it varies. Nobody really knows, right? You know, how we determine pregnancy in all of the technology that we have, how far along you are is still dependent on your knowledge of your last menstrual period. So it is still up to the person, the patient, to say, my last menstrual period was around here. And fetal development is very much like puberty. It's not this thing that happens at the same time in every pregnancy, which is why um, hitting it, cutting it off at weeks and doing all of this kind of stuff doesn't make sense at all because the development of a pregnancy varies differently for everyone. But the quickening is that old-timey term for around um, the the three-month mark of of pregnancy. And I don't know how it relates and if there's language about the quickening. There is language about the the quickening in our our abortion ban. And I think the the question that we were asked by Terry is, yo, if it's like you can have an abortion up to the point of quickening, why aren't we still allowed to access, you know, medical or or surgical abortions in Wisconsin uh, throughout the, the first trimester? Right. And so I think the answer probably is, um, because of what I just laid out about the development of pregnancy. When does the quickening exactly happen? Is it at 14 weeks? Is it at 12 weeks? How do we really know if you're at 14 or 12, if we're based on your LPN and you got some of that wrong, right? LPN, last menstrual period, pardon me. Um, So for a clinic to have the chilling effect of um, having a bazillion lawsuits by these cretins, to say, you're past the quickening. When was the quickening for this pregnancy? When was the quickening for that pregnancy? How do you determine that legally so that a clinic is not faced with the prosecutorial laws, the loss of license, the, the, all that other stuff? 
Like, that's probably why it's not happening. Liz, I'm so grateful that you talked about that because I think one of the things that folks have really gotten attached to is the idea that um, abortion should absolutely be legal in the case of rape and incest. And I think the, the thing we don't let ourselves think through when we talk about that is how long does it prove take to prove that somebody has been raped we actually don't have like a super expedited process for determining that someone has been sexually assaulted so what 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 does that actually look like in in communities where there is an exception for abortion access in the case of rape or incest does that mean you go to court and find out um whether or not you were raped or whether or not incest took place and then after there's a conviction of that person you have access to an abortion depending on how long that takes what does that mean so there are so many messed up laws around this so first of all i just want to say um no one our court system re-traumatizes sexual assault victims all the time. So to force someone to have to prosecute, prove, um, go through some motions to prove they were raped in order to access the abortion they need is draconian. Second of all, in some states, they're saying that um, you, you have to get, you have to file a police report. You have to press charges. Some states, you have to get a conviction, right? And so putting the onus on someone to prove they were raped in order to get the abortion um, and, and forcing people to go through all these other steps instead of just allowing someone to access an abortion is wild. Also, if someone is desperate, let's say you're in a relationship with somebody and um, that relationship isn't awesome and you, you know, you need an abortion, you don't want to carry that person's child to term and you don't know how to get out, you don't know what to do and and you need to have an abortion, is there going to be false accusations of rape happening? Probably. Mm. You know, do we want to put everyone through that? I don't think so. And so um, I also feel it puts this caveat on the type of abortions we accept who has them, circumstances around it. I feel like there's no good abortion. There's no bad abortion. There's just the abortion you need. Mm. And I also feel like um, it's we have an obligation as a society. We need to talk about abortion as, right now, this is a public health crisis. Yes, it this is. It's a human rights crisis. And we need to look at access to abortion as a community good. People need to step outside of their selves to say my access to my abortion got me this and everybody in the community should be able to have access to it so they can thrive so our community can thrive because if we are going to silo out our own abortions as this is my private thing and i had it and and i have that you're not looking at everyone and society as a whole and what it means i want to honor somebody so that they can live a full life with the kind of family they want or don't want with the kind of life that they choose like to be able to say you're making a lot of decisions around this pregnancy that affect a whole lot of different people in your life Mm. allow us as a society to say yes honor that we honor that I want to ask you for the for the folks in Wisconsin who are listening, if you need an abortion and you go to Minnesota, can you get an abortion that same day? Yes. Okay. And there's not a a, a tremendous wait. What do you need to do to to, if you if you're sitting here listening to this show thinking, I really need help. um, Who can who can help you get to Minnesota? What does that process look like? How do you make an appointment? Walk us through what you need to do um, if you're fleeing the state, whatever state that is, but particularly Wisconsin, because that's where we're at, um, to get Let's an abortion. Let's talk about Wisconsin, for sure. So if you are sitting right now listening to this and you are pregnant and would like to not be and you are without means, um, the first place you're going to call is the Midwest Access Coalition which is a Chicago-based support fund um, that can help you um, get 
the travel money and the means that you need. Yes, and they will help you get everything from childcare and practical support to a bus ticket to actually helping you to pay for your abortion. Hotel, everything you need. Um, there are, if you go to the National Network of Abortion Funds, it's, it's nnaf.org, um, and you click on Wisconsin or Illinois or Minnesota, um, there's a phone number that you can call, and they will help you with the cost of your procedure. Um, if you are going to Illinois or Minnesota, depending on where you're at in Wisconsin, um, there is no wait. Um, I would suggest calling the Whole Women's Health um, of the Twin Cities in Minnesota to make your appointment. They can, depending how far along you are, they can give you medication abortion or they can help you with um, an in-clinic abortion. Um, same with Illinois. If you're closer to Michigan, um, the Michigan laws are, I think, as liberal, but I'm not sure I know more about Illinois and Minnesota than I do Wisconsin, um, Michigan, pardon me. Um, or you could call the Planned Parenthood in Minnesota. There's a Robbinsdale Clinic. Um, but Minnesota has no waiting period. There are independent providers who are waiting for you to get the care that you need. Um, you can be of any age. You can be somebody who is under 18 and access abortion without anybody violating your rights. And you can access Um, multiple kinds of abortion. You can get both a medical abortion that you could kind of bring, you know. And and what are you saying to folks? If folks get the the medical abortion, the pill that you can take at home, are you all recommending Mm -hmm. that people get a hotel room and actually take the pill and have that entire process happen in Minnesota um, to avoid prosecution in states where it's not legal? Are you guys recommending people take take medication and, and head home or are you recommending that people I have medical reco- abortions i don't i don't recommend how one takes their abortion i don't recommend i don't give recommendations i can tell you what it says on the cdc website and that and on the cdc website it talks about the procedure with which you can do a medication abortion which is you take one pill you let it dissolve under your gum and then you take a series of four pills, 24 to 48 hours later, you let those dissolve under your gums. And usually within 72 hours, you will um, have, you're basically shedding your uterine lining and emptying out your uterus. And that means that the abortion has happened. It's, you're creating a miscarriage for yourself. And that kind, of, tell you that that kind of abortion presents as a miscarriage. So if you did need medical attention, um, that there's no way to tell the difference between a medical abortion and a, and a spontaneous miscarriage or spontaneous it, abortion, which is the, the medical term. A, a spontaneous abortion um, is just what you have uh, is, is a miscarriage, right? Yes. So yes. And I, what I would, it says on the CDC website, and I'm carefully telling you this, um, uh, is that um, taking medication abortion, the way that it processes in your system if you were to feel like the bleeding felt like it might be heavier than you were expecting or you were, ha- you were feeling like maybe you were having complications and needed to go to an ER, um, they cannot detect the medication abortion in your system. Um, so you can present as miscarrying, telling them that you are pregnant and think that you might be miscarrying. Um, and you can reveal that to them and they will treat you the same way um, as they would if you had either not taken medication abortion or taken medication abortion. Um, sometimes, um, also, if you take medication abortion, and um, there's there's a small chance. Sometimes it happens where um, the shedding of the lining doesn't empty your uterus completely, and you might need to go in and um, have what's a DNC, which is a cleaning out of your uterus, to make sure. Um, you can go back to Minnesota and do that. You can you can do that um, in many places as well. So I would say I don't I don't give anyone recommendations on how they should um, have their abortion, but um, I tell people where they can get access to it, and then they can make decisions based on guidelines set up um, on some of our our federal websites around abortion. You can go to um, PlanCPills.org explains everything to you. Um, about a medication abortion that you would want to know. Um, and that's a really, really helpful resource. Heck yeah. Thank you so much for giving us that incredibly important information because I think, you know, when when you are in a situation where you need an abortion, um, 
I think it, it's complicated to live in a society where you're nervous about whether or not you're going to get in trouble for Googling the word abortion. I want to go back to right. our caller. Um, so our caller, Terry, had a really, really thoughtful question. And yes, you are correct, Terry. However, the legislature revised it to be much more restrictive in 1858. Huge shout out to Shali, our news director, for bringing me this information and highlighting um, some of what I what I should let you all know. Historians attribute the 1858 abortion law change to the influence of Dr. William Henry Brisbane, a Wisconsin doctor committed to discouraging women from seeking abortions and penalizing doctors who performed them. In in 1857, Brisbane wrote uh, to a fellow doctor, Hartro Ratio Storer, that he intended to get a law passed by our legislature to meet the case too much, much too common of administering drugs and injections either to prevent contraception or destroy the embryo. Weeks later, the American Medical Association, AMA, appointed Brisbane to a committee of eight members. I, I think, like, a committee of eight members. Let's see. I'm sorry. I've lost my place and dropped my page. I've lost my pa- place and dropped my page. Um, to report upon criminal abortion, which with a view to generally with, with a view to generally suppress abortion. Um, so in 1858, the, our law that banned abortion got more harsh. I want to point out that these adjustments all happened during slavery in the United States. Um, Liz, you, you've gotten to know people who are passionately against abortion. You've encountered these folks regularly. This past weekend, there were two protests at the state capitol. Um, so one was a group of folks raising money for WMF, which is the Wisconsin or which is the Women's Medical Fund of Wisconsin. Um, they support abortion. Feel free to, to you know, research the work that they're doing in our state. The other was a group of folks who were celebrating a year without abortion in Wisconsin. Um, how, what has, has your interaction looked like with the folks who, who feel like banning abortion is a win? What is, what are your, are you, are you in dialogue with people who disagree with you? Um, and how has, how has that movement changed? Um, you know, in terms of the way pro-choice folks are interacting with anti-choice folks at this point? Well, I mean, to me, there is, you know, there's all these conversations around who should be in dialogue with whom, at, you know, where should these conversations be happening, blah, blah, blah. Um, I am in sort of solidified in my views that if you believe abortion should be banned at any point, what you are saying is, there is a point in someone's life that they no longer have ownership of their body. And it is a law that only happens to people with uteruses, so women and all other people. And it declassifies your humanity mm. and puts you into a property status that is not okay. So... I am not in dialogue with people who are profoundly interested and have dedicated their lives to reclassify women and and people who have the capacity for pregnancy to be part of a chattel culture system because once you redefine me, as something that somebody else gets to have a say in my life and control over my body, that doesn't stop at reproduction. No, it absolutely that puts doesn't. Me back into an ownership status of someone maybe that I choose to partner with, it 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 takes me out of it. And so when I look at the glee of them celebrating a year without Roe v. Wade. And when I look at people dying, people harmed because of Roe v. Wade, and them wanting to push further, 
those are people who do not have a humanity or a value system with which I want to honor by being in dialogue with them. Liz, thank you so much for your for your candor. I do think there's a lot of kind of like how do we how do we meet each other where we're at? And I think that this isn't a conversation that works like that, at least not for me, not for me as a person who has had children and had abortions. Um, and, you know, I think I don't think my rights are, are up for debate. I don't think my body is is up for debate. And I don't think there's any point in a pregnancy um, in which my body is no longer my body. Uh, we've got Ashley right. on the line. Ashley, how are you doing today? Hi, good. Thanks. Thanks so much for highlighting all those amazing resources. I wanted to offer another one in our area. Folks are interested in abortion doula support. Um, it's WI, so Wisconsin abortion support.com. And that's a space um, where some full spectrum doulas in the area are offering either text support or in-person support for folks that are having medication abortions if they want some extra care. So oh. I wanted to just, offer that up to this conversation. Ashley, thank you so much. We love you here at WORT 89.9 FM. Do you want to share that resource just one more time? How do folks get a hold of an abortion doula? Yeah, yeah. And there's a few different, I mean, there's quite a few abortion or full spectrum doulas in the area. So this isn't the only way, but one way would be www.wiabortionsupport.com. Thank you so much, Ashley. And there's Ashley. a form on that website to fill out. I feel like today I'm like, I've had a lot of conversations I'm, about abortion where I don't always get um, folks who are participating in the conversation from a space of like really understanding abortion and being able to pri provide resources to the conversation. Um, today I'm like, we're really hearing from some great folks. Liz, do you have any response to our caller? I'm so excited about your caller because... Doula services are, I, I often like, I don't know in, in states where um, I often talk about doula services when I know that they exist because I don't want people to get their hopes up if I can't say, oh, you know, doulaing is, is A, it's a really great advocacy training for folks, and B, um, doulas have been incredibly mindful and amazing, especially for folks who are um, seeking abortion care on their own and would like somebody to be, you know, many clinics around the country have a doula um, who will be in, if you are having an abortion by yourself, someone to hold your hand, somebody to walk you through the process, an emotional support person. And then I also love um, if you're taking medication abortion and let's say, you know, we have to think about like some certain things that people have to do. If you're, if you're in a relationship that is um, unsafe, and you're having a medication abortion, and let's say you have to um, stay at a friend's house or someplace else to be able to have a do, or maybe a hotel, um, because this person can't know maybe that you're having an abortion, because um, harm might come to you, to be able to have a doula service, to be able to be there with you, um, talk your, hold your hand, talk you through it. Um, it's, it's, it's a vital service. The emotional, the emotional support um, in the community of abortion providers and just the general support is um, one of the reasons that I can wake up every single day and do this work because they're the most kind people. Um, everyone's looking out just for everyone to get back on that path of well-being that they can, that they are, that they need to get on. And, you know, they're just some of the most loving, kind people. And to continue to do this work in the face of the attacks and the violence and the assault and the, and the you know, risk of prosecution um, and they just continue to do it because people will continue to need to have abortions no matter what they throw in front of us. That's just our reality. There's no way to ever end abortion. So stop acting like there is. You know, I'm, I'm all for loading up our school systems and our communities with comprehensive birth control. All these ways that we can prevent pregnancy. Cause, Heck you know, yeah, I'm a know, huge fan of consent-based you know LGBTQ like, you know, inclusive sex ass. ed. Yes. Yes. It's a pain in the ass. You know, if you need to go have an abortion and you're busy and you to find the means and all that stuff. To me, I don't have a moral problem with people having abortions. I've had more than one abortion. I don't care. Um, is it easier to try to not be, get pregnant? It is. Are those resources available to folks? Believe it or not, 
um, the most judgy people who are like, why don't you just get on birth control? Why don't you just do this? Blah, 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 blah. Um, lucky you to have access to think that everyone has access to those things because they don't. Mm. Also, I'm going to say something that's really going to freak people out. The way we talk about birth control in this country is racist. It's full on racist. I, this is why I love having you on the air, Liz. This is why I'm like they, forever. You are just fan favorite. I worship you. I love you. Say that again. Contraception. How we no, talk about it is we, what? The way we talk about birth control in this country is racist. And this is why I say that. Because if we lived in a society that valued family and valued pregnancy outcomes, we wouldn't have a system where we give the Duggars and Catholics a TV shows and say, oh, I come from a huge Catholic family, seven kids. What does your dad do for a living? Uh, he's, a, he's a part-time salesperson here, and then, he, and then he has a part-time job doing this. We're barely scraping by. Aren't you great? If people of color have big families, and it's the same thing, scraping by, we're trying to make it, we got a bunch of kids, we're just doing what we do because we love it. It is judged, it's judged. There's all this racial tinge to it. So we need to help people and create society where the decisions people have are theirs and not just that you should all be on birth control because of this. I mean, people should be on birth control because they're controlling their fertility well, and I'm like, we, in the way that's best for them. Yes, but I'm like, there's so many reasons why people go on birth control. There's also like condoms as contraceptive that prevent both pregnancy and STDs. And I think that there's an important conversation around why we promote birth control over condoms um, and whose convenience we're really supposed to be catering to or whose pleasure yes. or enjoyment or physical health. We have one minute left on the air, Liz. I could talk to you forever. Ever. I love you so much. Folks, if you're listening, this is WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Maldro. This is a public fair. Liz Winstead, I'm going to give you the last word. What do you want folks to know about abortion access right now? So um, I want you to know that there is a ton of resources that you can utilize and go to if you're thinking of how can I volunteer. Go to OperationSaveAbortion.com on our website, and everybody listen to our weekly podcast. It's called Feminist Buzzkills. It's on every week. We give you the lowdown, the update on the news. We talk to activists and people who will um, give you calls to action, keep you updated. It is the best resource weekly on all the stuff that's happening all around the country. Thank you to the folks who called in today to share resources. Huge thank you to Liz Winstead for all the work that she's doing. Make sure you tune in to Feminist Buzzkill. Thanks for listening to WORT 89.9 FM. This is a public affair. I'm Ali Muldrow. See y'all next week. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground, another pirate station. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound communication of our tribal war. Dark vision fly by helicopters in the night. Attempt triangulation of our station in the fight.